WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Wednesday, May 24th, your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds this morning, showers this afternoon, high 73. Tonight, overnight, more rain, low 50. And then Thursday, the sun reappears, high 69. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 44 and partly cloudy in Sayville out on Long Island. 48 and cloudy in Bordentown City in New Jersey. And it is 52 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. You know you're in trouble when the people in accounts payable are making fun of you. I mean, you know, how often do you interact with the accounts payable people at your office unless you work in the accounts payable office? So one of the women from accounts payable walked back to the newsroom yesterday and she holds up this piece of paper and it is a ticket of a traffic ticket from the city of New York, and it has a picture of the WABC van in it. And I go, she goes, were you driving this van? And um, I do often drive (laughs) one of the WABC vans. So I look at this and I say, oh, yeah, no, that's probably me. And the ticket was for speeding through a school zone on 10th Avenue. And I'm like, really? Was that me? I mean, I'm usually uh, very careful when I'm driving the, for sure, the corporate, the company vehicle, knowing that, you know, hey, it says WABC all over it. I got to represent well. But I look at this and it says I'm going 40 in a 25 mile an hour zone on 10th Avenue at 38th Street near the Lincoln Tunnel. And I'm like, I I don't think you can go that fast around the Lincoln Tunnel because the traffic is always so bad. But okay, apparently the traffic camera caught me. So I look at the account payables person and I say, how much is this ticket? And she says, it's 50 bucks. And I said, all right, well, you know, I was in the vehicle. Let me pay it. And she goes, no, no, that's fine. We'll pay it. And I said, no, really? Like, I'm the one who, you know, broke the law. I might as well pay the $50 ticket. And then I noticed that on the ticket, actually, it was on Saturday that this took place. And I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, let them pay it. Let the uh, the higher up see that I'm working on a Saturday you know, <laughs> that I'd sped on a Saturday, but I was speeding to get to work. So um, but I offered I want everybody to know uh, John and Margo, if they're listening, the owners of the station, I did offer to pay the 50 bucks. Still happy to do that. But they told me, no, fine. Since you're working on Saturdays, an extra day we will pay the 50 bucks. Uh, by the way, should I really be hit with a $50 ticket for speeding through a school zone on a Saturday when a school's not even open? I may mean, think that's a fair question to ask the people down at the department who decides all these things. I think they should fight it, right? No school's open on a Saturday. And I can't believe I was going 40. This seems impossible on 10th Avenue Saturday afternoon near the Lincoln Tunnel. Doesn't sound right. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. Two cops were dragged by a driver in Harlem. A hero school bus driver saves his students in Queens. It's a big day for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Rita Cosby and Governor Cuomo go at it. And you'll never guess 
who came to the rescue of a choking man in a Manhattan restaurant. All right, let's get into it. 504, we'll start up in Harlem. Two police officers hit by a fleeing vehicle East Harlem last night. Incident happened after two officers pulled over this Range Rover is East 116th Street and 3rd Avenue. Not clear what they had pulled this driver over for, but it was about 920 last night. As the officers were talking to the person behind the wheel, they took off and dragged these officers for a few hundred feet. So I was just in the store and all I hear is just a car go like like the wheel, you know. It's a bit dead noise and then it just hit both of them. I heard the tire and then I just heard they get hit and everybody just started coming here and screaming. There is surveillance video of this as the driver pulls off. You can see the police officers letting go of what might be the windshield. It's not clear or the window falling to the ground, rolling over. There were a lot of witnesses out, 920 at night, beautiful night. A lot of people saw this. Like I heard a car accelerating and boom, and then I heard it. Like it started off, like it sped it off. And it was, um, then I seen two cops laid out in the street like they was unconscious. Yeah, so we checked in with the NYPD early this morning. They told us these officers expected to survive. They would not give us the full condition of them. They are at Harlem Hospital, but the good news is, we think they're going to be okay. At least that's what they're telling us. The unoccupied vehicle was located nearby on Pleasant Avenue and East 114th Street just a short time after these officers were dragged. Uh, the search of you might, might, uh, might imagine still underway for the person who was behind that wheel. 505, uh, search underway for a gunman in a gray vehicle who shot and killed a man last night, Washington Heights, shooting happening in front of Chop Cheese Deli. It's Broadway, West 162nd Street. A neighbor out playing dominoes. It was a beautiful night. She heard the crackle of the gunfire. This was about 7 o'clock last night. It could have been anyone. It could have been a lot of people. We stopped, we ducked, and then we walked over here. And he was laying on the ground. Cops say the gunman fled on Broadway after opening fire, shooting this man in the head after he came running out of the deli. Now, neighbors say they recognize that person as someone who works in the deli. It's not clear if he was the intended target. People in the neighborhood say this is not the first time someone's been shot there. It's a known area. That's why it gets hot sometimes. I was raised on this block for NM52. So it's really sad to see this kind of stuff going on. Police still have not released the victim's identity as they continue to try to identify the shooter and a motive. They're looking at video, still collecting evidence. So far, they've made no arrests. WABC News Time 509. Several students safe after a school bus just burst into flames in Queens yesterday. There's a hero behind all of this. Let's find out the latest now from WABC's Alex Barnard, who joins us live. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noam. And yes, that's right. The FDNY received a call of multiple vehicles on fire in Rigo Park around 3.45 p.m. Roughly six units and 30 firefighters responded to the blaze at 6544 Saunders Street and worked hard to put out the fire. But it seems that all can agree that the bus driver was the real hero in this situation. The driver, who has 30 years under his belt, bra- bravely guided six young and scared students off the bus and away from the blaze. FDNY Battalion Chief Brian Hanrahan spoke to ABC7. 
say that the bus driver did a great job. Again, there were six kids still on the bus, and when they, as soon as it ignited, he was able to get them off quickly and kept them safe and got them out of the way. And none of the kids were hurt, yes. The students attend a private yeshiva in Queens that is located approximately 15 minutes from the scene of the fire. No word yet on what caused the conflagration, but firefighters suspect it started in the engine and then grew quickly due to the diesel fuel in the bus's tank. Apparently, extra hose lines were needed not only to put out the bus, but also the burning cars nearby, as well as to keep the blaze from spreading to the nearby apartment buildings. Miraculously, no one was hurt. Yeah, that's amazing. So this bus driver, uh, right of mind to get these students off as his engine. It was the engine. I assume it was started at the engine, right? Yes, that's what firefighters say they suspect happened. Yeah. Do we know this guy's name? Did have they released it? They haven't released the name, no. But I'm sure that will come out later in the day. Yeah. Nice job done there. All right. WABC's Alex Barnard. Thank you very much. Five ten. Governor Ron DeSantis going to launch his presidential bid with Elon Musk today. Of course, he is the owner of many things, including Twitter. Musk teasing the event uh, that'll be on Twitter, apparently, tonight with the Republican Florida governor. We'll be interviewing um, Ron DeSantis, and he has quite an announcement to make. DeSantis trails former President Trump by a wide margin in every poll, but uh, that is uh, up till now. I mean, now he's officially jumping into the race. It's possible. I guess he could narrow all that down. And it'll be the first time that something like this is happening on social media and with uh, real-time questions and answers. Uh, not, not scripted. Not sure where that relationship began between Musk and the Florida governor. NBC News, Vaughn Hilliard going to be uh, in Florida for this announcement. He has access to millions of Americans, a platform that, frankly, a political operation could not have access to in real time. He's talking about Elon Musk and the reach, of course, of Twitter. He was asked on Twitter by somebody, who would you prefer in 2024? That's when he goes, I prefer DeSantis. It's time for Donald Trump to go off into the sunset. Yeah, so can uh, Elon Musk and Ron DeSantis make a difference in this race? We'll have to see. It was just during my time in the White House that Elon Musk would get down on his knees and beg me for perks and subsidies for his company. And suddenly I'm out of the White House and now he's thrown me off to the curb. Yeah, and there's uh, more problems for the former president, former President Trump. Uh, you might have seen that he uh, was virtual in a court case that's going to take place here in Manhattan, making a virtual appearance yesterday. The special counsel investigating former President Trump's handling of classified documents said to be wrapping up their pro. A report from the Wall Street Journal says Jack Smith has interviewed almost every employee at Trump's Florida home. That's where the FBI discovered boxes of material during a search of Mar-a-Lago last year. It's unclear when findings of the investigation will be announced or whether or not Smith plans to prosecute Trump. I'm Mark Mayfield. Whether any of these cases will make a difference to Trump supporters, not clear yet. Ron DeSantis is going to be officially in the race as tonight. Uh, Governor Chris Christie maybe later this week. You had Tim Scott on Monday. There's a lot of choices uh, so far. Most voters seem to uh, be leaning towards Donald Trump. 513, let's go down to Washington. Debt ceiling negotiations between the White House, House Republicans, are moving in a productive way. This is actually from both sides. Republicans, Democrats say there's been some movement here. President and Speaker McCarthy had a productive meeting about the need to prevent a default and avoid a catastrophe for our economy. 
That's the White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre talking to reporters yesterday, saying there needs to be a reasonable bipartisan agreement to raise the nation's borrowing limit, avoid that default, which really could be sort of disastrous. They both reiterated that default is off the table and only way forward is in good faith and toward a bipartisan budget agreement. So if the U.S. defaults on its debt, it will be on President Biden. At least that's what the Democrats are saying. For more than 100 days, Speaker McCarthy has called on Joe Biden to negotiate a responsible debt limit plan. What has Biden done instead? He gaslights the American people and then flees to Japan. Yeah, that's a White House Majority Whip Tom Emmer telling reporters uh, as the debt ceiling deadline nears, the White House and Republicans have yet to strike a deal. But uh, McCarthy uh, not speaking out as much as he was earlier on. Uh, It sounds like the two of coming closer to a deal. They had that one-on-one meeting at the White House. They had had a few of them now. Whatever default Joe Biden is threatening is on Joe Biden. All right. Well, so the blame game will continue in Washington until they sort this all out. 540, let's go down to Texas Uvalde. Frustration there that an investigation into last year's school shooting still tied up over a legal dispute between the city and the district attorney who refuses to turn over key pieces of evidence. The city manager, Vince Di Piazza, says one year later, they have found somewhat of a path forward. Reached an agreement with the judge looking over the shoulders of both parties. City of Valdi hiring an independent investigator over the summer as a way to lend credibility to the report. But the Uvalde DA, who is doing her own review, is keeping details locked up. Today, by the way, the one-year anniversary of the massacre, which ended with 19 students and two teachers dead, and still not clear who the blame falls on for this. An agreement to allow our independent investigator to finish his job. It really is key for us to get done the part that we have to do and to do it right. We don't want any backtracking. We don't want any do-over. It is amazing a year later that a lot of this evidence is still under lock and key. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Wednesday. Good morning, Justin Ellick. Good morning, Gnome Lydon, and happy hump day to you as well. Fireworks late last night in the Bronx with the Yankees overcoming a four-run deficit. Against the Baltimore Orioles in the opener of the three-game set, ultimately stealing a 6-5 to win after bottom of the ninth heroics from the captain, Aaron Judge. High drive, left field, going back Hayes, track, wall, see ya, tie game, Judge does it, it's 5-5. Which led perfectly into Anthony Volpe's first career walk-off in the form of a bottom of the tenth sack fly. High fly ball, Mullins goes back, still goes back, this will get it done, he makes the catch, tagging, Pagapalefa, he will score, and the Yankees with a dramatic 6-5 win over the Orioles, and the rookie gets it done in the bottom of the 10th. Both of those calls, courtesy of the Yes Network, the win marks five straight for the Bombers and brings them within two games of the second-place Orioles now. And just five games back of the first-place Rays, who lost 20-1 to to the Toronto Blue Jays last night. They'll try to keep it rolling in the middle game against Baltimore tonight at 7.05 p.m. Nestor Cortez will get the start against Baltimore's Tyler Wells. As for the Mets, last night they dropped their opener in Chicago by a score of 7-2, snapping their win streak at five games. Pete Alonso extended his lead in this year's home run race, bashing his 18th of the year in the fourth inning, but the rest of the offense failed to show up and root to the loss. The Mets get the chance to bounce back in the middle game against Chicago tonight at 7-40. Kodai Senga gets the nod against Chicago's Marcus Stroman. The Celtics beat the Heat 116-99 to stay alive in the Eastern Conference Finals and bring their deficit 
to three games to one now before game five in Boston tomorrow night. And on the ice in Dallas, the Golden Knights beat the Stars 4 to nothing to take a 3-0 series lead in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Western Conference Final Vegas will try and close things out in Dallas tomorrow night's game four. But tonight... Your Eastern Conference uh, uh, Conference Final, the uh, Florida Panthers trying to close things out against the Carolina Hurricanes up three games to nothing. That puck will drop tonight in Florida at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Here's sports on 77 WABC. I'm just out. WABC News Time 519. Did you listen to Rita Cosby and Governor Cuomo yesterday? Right here, 77 WABC. I think it's the first time the governor's really sat down for an entire hour, the former governor, and talked about everything that happened during his administration. He's been on before, but he went into more detail yesterday around 4 o'clock right here with Rita Cosby. Um, let's see. He talked about the sexual harassment scandal that took him down and why he resigned, even though he said he really did nothing wrong. But I'm asking you, uh, Governor, because it's important that everybody hears what you are you telling me today that you never were inappropriate with any of those 11 women. I there are women who will say in their opinion, it was inappropriate for me to put my arm around them when I took a picture. Uh that's their opinion. I understand that. And I said to anyone who felt I acted inappropriately, uh, I apologize. Uh, but sexual harassment, which is now a legal situation, no. There was no sexual harassment. No, that's what he claims. Uh, Rita and Cuomo that talked about the um, uh, the uh, scandal involving the bringing COVID patients back into nursing homes, which led to thousands of deaths uh, across New York. And uh, Reed asked him if he was to blame for that. Here's what he had to say. Are you blaming the federal government and President Trump then? I'm blaming no one. I'm blaming no one. President Trump is trying to blame the Democratic governors. And I think playing politics with COVID was terrible. Let me ask you, I'm, though, Governor, I'm, but, no, but here's the no, but, but let me just ask Rita, you the obvious I'm question. Blaming, Go ahead. I'm blaming no one. These decisions were made by medical professionals and the medical professionals were looking at a horrendous situation where the hospital system was going to collapse and they made the best judgments they could at that moment. Politicians didn't make these decisions. I'm not a doctor. These were medical professionals. But, Governor, I'm not a doctor. Governor, I'm not a doctor either. But I could have told you not to put elderly with coronavirus into a nursing home. Everybody knew that. They are the most vulnerable. I would know that. The governor uh, went on to say that he wouldn't apologize specifically for what happened in the nursing homes, but he gave an overall apology saying, hey, if it happened on my watch, then uh, the fault lies at the governor's office. And then. Uh, it was a testy interview for the entire hour. And by the way, you can hear the whole thing uh, for yourself, WABCradio.com. You can see the interview right at the top of the homepage there. So uh, after an hour of a testy back and forth, uh, Rita wasn't going to let, let him get away with anything. And the governor was trying to you know, you know have his own way, but it wasn't going to happen. Uh, they had this last moment where she asked him, what's ahead for your future? And uh, you, he finally sort of takes this dig at Rita in this last moment of the show yesterday. This was right at the end, around like 4.58 after an hour of the two going back and forth. What's ahead for your political future, too? Uh, do you think you'll run for office again, and what? I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to model you and 
have a, a show like the Rita Cosby show and ask people nasty questions all day and not. Yeah, see how he does it. So he's trying to belittle her. And then he realizes, oh, you know, I probably shouldn't be saying that. He tries to pull it back in. They are fair questions, uh, Governor. Governor, they're fair questions. And Governor also. No, he wasn't kidding. You see that? He said, I was kidding you. I was kidding you. He wasn't. He was angry uh, that she wouldn't let him, uh, you know, go on any of these big questions, including the uh, scandal over COVID and the nursing homes, sexual harassment, and more. I'll, I'll let him finish, Eric. We, we hear from everybody. Believe me, we had a lot of people who were not happy that we were having you on, but, and there were a lot of people uh, that were happy. So I want you to know that these are important questions that people of New York want to hear the answers yeah. to. Yeah, uh, so that was Rita yesterday. Uh, it's, it's worth playing again just to hear what – listen to how he just – he was uh, – at the end he showed – I was shocked actually because I thought he did okay. I mean he was answering the questions as best as he could it seemed. And then you realize how angry he was when he gave this answer at the end of the show. Listen again. What's ahead for your political future, too? Uh, do you think you'll run for office again, and what? I think I'm going to I'm going to model you and have a, a show like the Rita Cosby Show and ask people nasty questions all day and not let them answer. They are fair questions, uh, Governor. Governor, they are fair I'm questions. Kidding, kidding, yeah. yeah, I thought that showed everything right in that moment there. So anyway, go over to WABCRadio.com if you want to hear the whole interview. WABC Newstime 525, airports nationwide bracing for the biggest travel days they've seen in two decades ahead of this Memorial Day weekend. The CEO of the major airlines say they're ready for the big weekend. They do not anticipate a repeat of the nightmare travel season last year that began around Memorial Day and lasted through the summer. We are staffed up now more than we were prior to the pandemic, and we are at our highest level since in the last two decades. So the TSA says it's doing a better job of recruiting and keeping workers, but some who have started this holiday weekend early, and lucky them, say they've already run into problems. We almost missed the flight. We waited in line at Clear for over an hour. It's probably some of the worst domestic travel I've ever experienced. Yeah, so already we're hearing bad stuff. Let's hope that does not continue through the weekend. They say they're staffed up. The airlines, like they have not been since pre-pandemic. TSA, as you heard, says they're staffed up. Part of that is a pay raise. Uh, travel for Memorial Day weekend is expected to surpass pre-pandemic levels. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg says um, he's been watching it all play out. FAA is projecting more than 51,000 flights on Thursday alone. Yeah, so there's this ongoing traffic controller shortage. That's the one big issue that they still haven't figured out. Each month we've seen cancellations under 2%. Uh, that's better than the 10-year average. And so far this May, uh, we're seeing those numbers hold. So Pete Buttigieg says it will not be acceptable to have a summer like we did last summer. I mean, if you were somebody who had a big vacation last summer, no doubt you ran into some problem along the way if you were flying. Pete Buttigieg uh, trying to promise that that won't happen this summer. We're using our tools to press airlines to continue improving customer service and to continue improving performance. Issues that are under the control of airlines caused over a third of all cancellations. Air traffic control staffing issues were responsible for about another 5%. Yes, so he's hoping that will not be an issue over this long Memorial Day weekend. 
We're just getting started on this Thursday morning. So much to get to as we work up our way up to the 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. We'll get into the migrant mess and the pushback from more counties across New York State who say they do not want to take these migrants in. We'll hear from some lawmakers upstate. Uh, we'll tell you the latest on this Long Island fire yesterday where this woman ran back into a burning house and unfortunately passed away. We'll talk you who she was running back into the house for. The writer's strike continues out in Midtown. Some famous people joining the picket line yesterday. And uh, what is going on with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers? It seems the, there's always bad news. When there's good news, there's always followed by bad news with gangrene. We'll get into that story as well. But first, this at 530. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. There's a lot to like about 77 WABC. Talk radio. Like New York's number one news talk morning radio show. Sitting friends in the morning waking you up weekdays at 6. Like the best talk lineup in talk. Plus 77 WABC news updates around the clock. Like on weekends, we dance to the music with Cousin Brucey. Cousin Bruce Morrow. And so much more. 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah. On 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yeah, that's May 532. Good morning. It is Wednesday, May 24th. Your forecast now from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds this morning. Showers this afternoon. High 73 tonight. Overnight. Some more rain. Low 50. And then tomorrow, sunshine. Just beautiful. High 69. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 44 partly cloudy in Sayville out on Long Island. 48 and cloudy in Bordentown City in New Jersey. And it is 52 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour talking about the migrant mess here in the city, upstate New York. Yesterday, Mayor Adams asking a judge to let the city suspend its longstanding right to shelter obligation, saying they are no longer able to house every homeless person because of the arrival of tens of thousands of migrants from the U.S. southern border. The uh, right to shelter has been in place for more than 40 years, by the way, here in New York, after a court in 1981 required the city to provide temporary housing for every homeless person who asked for it. Well, now they can't accommodate everybody, so they're trying to get rid of that right to shelter obligation. Not clear uh, if that will go through. That, as the New York City continues to attempt to address this influx of migrants, two more counties north of the city have declared state of emergencies trying to slow down the arrival of migrants there. The city, if you haven't been following this story, has been making deals with motels and hotels and any place they can outside of New York City to ship the migrants there. They're picking up the bill, but now these counties saying they don't want them. The Red Roof Inn is the latest Hudson Valley Hotel, now housing migrants, which includes 86 men relocated from New York City. This is in Dutchess County. So Dutchess County declaring a state of emergency echoing the same complaints made by elected officials in surrounding suburban counties. Here's the Dutchess County executive yesterday. Communications and coordination with New York City has been significantly lacking. 
And, and I think I'm being kind there. Actually, it's been non-existent. So City Hall here says it's going to spend $1.4 billion just by July to pay for housing and food costs for at least four months, which is just astronomical. The Fed so far pitched in somewhere around $30 million, nowhere close. And these outside counties say they don't want these people coming their way because they feel after a certain amount of period of time, they'll be on the hook to pay the bills for these migrants, the ones that are unable to take care of themselves. So Dutchess County pushing back yesterday. They don't want more buses rolling in from New York City. I'm dealing with a housing crisis. You do realize that our vacancy rate on apartments in Dutchess County is less than 1%. So there are no apartments, there are virtually no apartments to put these people in. And Republicans in Dutchess County say this is all politics. They say Mayor Adams is searching for Republican districts to send these migrants to. We're a heavily Republican area, conservative area. Um, Orange County is a heavily Republican conservative area. Um, and I see a lot of politics going on here, which ain't right for the people. Republicans up in Albany agree. Senate Minority Leader uh, Rob Ort yesterday saying enough is enough. The burden shouldn't be felt by everybody across New York State. When I talked to my local county officials. None of them believe that they will not be on the hook for some of these costs. It's almost impossible to actually believe that there will not be at least ancillary costs. Republican senators have called on state comptroller Thomas DiNapoli for a complete breakdown of how much money is being spent on migrants and where it is going. And uh, so far, they have not gotten that. There's really no plan about how we're going to deal with it today and how we're going to deal with it in the future, especially with the expiration of Title 42, which unfortunately, despite her visit to D.C., the governor still has not asked to be reinstated. And the bus is still coming in not as frequently as they were in the previous two weeks, but that number, 70,000 have come from the U.S.-Mexico border just since uh, last spring, a year ago. 536, let's go out to Long Island. A woman killed, several others injured. Fast-moving fire, Williston Park, Long Island. This was about the time we came on the air yesterday. We're getting more details about this story because Shamira Patel, who's 60 years old, was killed in this fire. Now firefighters tell us that she went into the home. She didn't live there, but she was there because she was getting ready for her father's funeral. The blaze broke out. She got all the members of her family out, then realized the family dog was still in back inside the home, ran in to get the dog, and both her and the dog passed away. She went to get the dog. She went because she had she considered her a daughter. So she went back. She actually came all the way to the door, helped her mom out of the house, and then she went back. Yeah, I can't even imagine, man. If you have a family pet like I do, you'd run them back into that house as well. They could not get into the house. There was heavy fire. The house was fully involved and already collapsing upon arrival. We never see the imagine it, you know. I, I, I shocked too, you know, because I like the people. Family are good, you know. And it was painful. Yeah, a lot of tragedy in a short period of time. The dad, now the daughter, uh, passing away. She was a devoted mom and a loving family member overall. Every time I met her, it was always one of the biggest hugs that always came through. And she got everybody out of the house. Unfortunately, she did not make it out alive after going back in for the dog. WABC News Time 540. That creep who 
pushed a woman into a subway train over the weekend, thankfully arrested yesterday, shoved this woman into the side of a subway train, Upper East Side. Nancy Moreo witnessed the attack. It was at the Lexington Avenue 63rd Street station. She could not believe what she saw because she said it was just totally random. He just took both hands, not at her body, aimed at her, specifically at her head like he wanted he wanted the head to hit. And unfortunately, this woman, she's in bad shape. I mean, she's going to survive, but she's got a lot of injuries. 39-year-old Kamal Samrade being charged with attempted murder and assault in the attack on this 35-year-old woman from Queens. The uh, victim fractured her spine, now partially paralyzed after her head was pushed into that E-train. Uh, we don't know what the motive is. This guy is not you know, typical. We use these attacks as usually the person's homeless or something. That's not the case here. This guy had a job, so we don't know exactly what was going on. 541, the protests continue with the uh, writer strike taking place. Contract! Now! Contract! Now! When I say shut it, you say down. Shut it! Down! Shut it! Down! Shut it! Down! Shut it! Down! Writers continue getting support as they strike around the nations, including right here in New York. Uh, TV shows, of course, uh, not being uh, TV shows uh, not being written for the uh, fall season for the streamers. Uh, hundreds of people gathering outside the NBC studios here in Manhattan. Uh, actor Busy Phillips showing her support yesterday, taking to that picket line. I know too many writers right now who cannot pay their rent or buy groceries. It is a myth that writers are a part of some Hollywood elite society. Comedian, political activist Al Franken, former senator too, along with actors. Equity Association, Kate Schindel, they were on the picket line yesterday. Writers fighting for better wages, residuals, job security, protections from AI. They're really worried about AI writing scripts for them. The Writers Guild of America says studios want to negotiate on their terms and so far have not come back to the table. Our contract negotiations are so important, especially when it comes to residuals. This one is AI. This one is job security and continuous employment. Zaslav should know that the Writers Guild is serious because if writers wanted to spend months and months only to have nothing to show for it in the end, they'd have sold a series to Warner Brothers Discovery. And by the way, uh, SAG-AFTRA, which uh, all of us on air here are members of, is asking us potentially to go on strike out in sympathy with the writers. It hasn't officially happened yet. be interesting to see what happens if they do ask SAG after people to walk out as well in uh, honoring those writers who are on the picket line today from the WGA Writers Guild of America. 543, Aaron Rodgers dealing with a calf strain. Of course, he's the latest acquisition for the Jets, the quarterback. After suiting up for practice with the Jets, Roger was dragging a weighted sled and pulled up from a drill before he appeared to limp and stretch his leg. Uh, he says it's nothing too serious. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's too too serious. The future Hall of Famer did not leave the field once he strained his calf muscle. Instead, stayed to work with teammates. But he didn't throw a practice uh, pass during that practice. Uh, again, he says uh, he thinks it's going to be fine. That's part of, the, part of the role of leadership, part of the role of being the old guy in the room. And, and I love that, and I love getting to know these guys, where they're from, and, and what makes them tick, because that's how you understand how to push those buttons in the right way to inspire guys. Yeah, but you had Jeff fans yesterday going, oh, no, we just got this guy. Not us. It always happens to us. It looks like he's going to be fine. New York State honoring emergency medical services professionals who have given their life 
in the line of duty. Governor Hochul joining family members yesterday who lost loved ones at a ceremony in Albany. Who are we without them? Who's there to protect us? Who helps us if we don't get people to do exactly what your loved one did? All I can say is thank you. Send my love, our gratitude. There are 120 New York State EMS professionals who've died in the line of duty being recognized at this EMS memorial in Albany and Long Island, launching its first ever island-wide tribute to fallen heroes on this memorial day. We would be remiss if we didn't think how fortunate we were because there are families out in Nassau County and Suffolk County and all across America who may have lost a loved one. And this is not a happy weekend for them. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman says um, every volunteer firehouse from Malvern to Montauk will sound their sirens and churches are going to ring their bells. This is at noon and six o'clock on Monday. At 12 noon and at 5 p.m. for 50 seconds, the sirens, the sirens will ring, the church bells will ring, and we will have those two solemn moments to remember our fallen heroes. Nice tribute to the fallen heroes on Long Island. 545 now. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk and Justin Alec. Thank you, Noam Layden. We start with the fireworks late last night in the Bronx with the Yankees overcoming a four-run deficit against the Baltimore Orioles in the opener of a three-game set, ultimately stealing a 6-5 to five win after bottom of the ninth heroics from the captain, Aaron Judd. High drive, left field, going back Hayes, track. That dinger led perfectly into Anthony Bolpe's first career walk-off in the form of a bottom of the 10th sacrifice fly. High fly ball. Mullins goes back. Still goes back. This will get it done. He makes the catch. Tag it. Tag it Falefa. He will score. And the Yankees with a dramatic 6-5 win over the Orioles. And the rookie gets it done in the bottom of the 10th. Both of those calls courtesy of the Yes Network. The win marks five straight for the Bombers and brings them within two games of the second-place Orioles now. And just five games back of the first-place Rays, they'll try to keep it rolling in the middle game against Baltimore tonight at 7.05. Nestor Cortez will get the start against Baltimore's Tyler Wells. As for the Mets last night, they dropped their opener in Chicago by a score of 7-2, snapping their win streak at five games. Pete Alonso extended his lead in this year's home run race, bashing his 18th of the year in the fourth inning. But the rest of the offense failed to show up and root to the loss. The Mets get the chance to bounce back in the middle game against Chicago tonight at 7.40. Kodai Senga gets the nod against Chicago's Marcus Stroman. Uh, Stroman. On the hardwood, the Celtics beat the Heat 116-199 to stay alive in the Eastern Conference Finals and bring their deficit to three games to one now before Game 5 in Boston tomorrow night. And on the ice in Dallas, the Golden Knights beat the Stars 4 to nothing to take a 3-0 series lead in the Stanley Cup playoffs Western Conference Final. Vegas will try and close things out in Dallas tomorrow night's Game 4. As for the Eastern Conference Final, the Florida Panthers will try to close out the Carolina Hurricanes tonight in Florida. They're up three games to none. That puck drop is set for 8 p.m. Eastern time in Game 4. Here was sports sponsored by Pete Morgan. Or not, not yet. Not, you, well, you not give yet. him a free plug anyway. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. It's not. It's he, Pete Morgan. He doesn't, he doesn't pay. He for gives this. us bagels and tickets to the Mets. He doesn't pay for this one. Comfort yourself. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> There's your sports gnome on 77 WABC. Let's get you up on the big stories of the morning. Two police officers hit as they pulled over a car. This was East Harlem last night. The officers had pulled over this Range Rover about 920 last night, East 116th Street, 3rd Avenue, East Harlem. 
And uh, as they walked over to the car and uh, were apparently leaning into the car, this driver took off, dragged these officers for a little while, about maybe a half a block till they let go. A lot of eyewitnesses because it was a beautiful night, lots of people on the street. Oh, I was just in the store and all I hear is just a car go like like the wheel, you know, they did a noise and then it just hit both of them. I just heard the tire and then I just heard they get hit and everybody just started coming here screaming. There were taken to Harlem Hospital. Those officers were there expected to survive the search still on for the driver. I heard the car accelerating and boom, and then I heard it like it started off, like it sped it off. And it was, um, then I seen two cops laid out in the street like they was unconscious. Whoever was behind the wheel ditched that car just a couple blocks away so far. They have not found him. Uh, violence seen in Washington Heights last night. Gunman gray vehicle shoots and kills a man outside a deli. This was the Chop Cheese Deli, West 162nd Street. Again, lots of neighbors out because it was a nice night. This woman was playing dominoes nearby when she heard gunfire. It could have been anyone. It could have been a lot of people. We stopped, we ducked, and then we walked over here. And he was laying on the ground. Neighbors say they recognize the victim as someone who worked at the deli. It's not clear if he was the intended target. It's a known area. That's why it gets hot sometimes. I was raised on this block for, and I'm 52. So it's really sad to see this kind of stuff going on. So far, police have not caught up with the gunman. They have not released the identity of the victim who was killed. And um, several students, safe. After a school burst into flames in Queens yesterday afternoon, the bus driver, really a hero in this case, several students evacuated after a fire engulfed an entire bus. This was in Regal Park at about 345 yesterday. There were about seven people on the bus, the bus driver one by one making sure everyone got off the bus as flames were everywhere. It was like the scariest thing I've ever seen. I thought it was going to explode. Yeah, the fire was so intense that it also spread to nearby cars parked along the street. There were six kids still on the bus, and when that, as soon as it ignited, he was able to get them off quickly and kept them safe. The bus driver was fabulous. I think he's a true hero, and the kids, thank God, nobody was hurt. The cars could all be fixed. The six students uh, attend a private yeshiva in Queens, which is about 15 minutes from where the uh, fire took place. Not clear what started it, just maybe a bum engine of sorts. The frightened students, everybody a-okay. The car is not in great shape. Uh, they pulled away the shell of a number of cars that were parked near the bus, but most importantly, nobody hurt. I saw people trying to go into their cars, but I guess they were afraid of the fire. Nobody could imagine something going to happen like that. Terrible. They have not given us the name of the hero bus driver. We've just been told it's somebody who's been on the job for 30 plus years. And Ron DeSantis going to launch his presidential bid with Elon Musk today, the head of Twitter and a whole lot more. Musk teasing the event that'll be on Twitter tonight with the Republican Florida governor. We're we interviewing um, Ron DeSantis and he has quite an announcement to make. Yes, so the announcement is that he's in the race for 2024 for the White House. More from Elon Musk. And will be be the first time that something like this is happening on social media and with uh, real-time questions and answers, uh, not, not scripted. Yeah, so the Republican side, awfully crowded. Uh, Tim Scott announcing on Monday, Ron DeSantis tonight. 
We hear Chris Christie at some point is going to jump into the race. That could be this week as well. Lots of people in this race. But uh, Donald Trump, by all polls, far ahead of everybody, the next closest person would be Ron DeSantis. Will it make a difference to voters that he's now officially in? Will people maybe jump from Trump to Ron DeSantis? It's still early. We will watch it, of course, right here. 77 WABC. New York City. Dealing with a huge lifeguard shortage. We had this problem during COVID, but it is extended to this summer, summer of 2023, as beaches prepare to open for Memorial Day week. And the Parks Commissioner, Sue Donahue, says 280 lifeguards have returned for the summer. Another are another 200 are in training. So by my calculation, that's 480 lifeguards, but that's nowhere near the number they need to cover all the beaches and pools across the city. In order to fully open all beaches and pools, um, you know, we need about 1,400. Yeah, that means the Parks Department is short around 800 lifeguards. I don't know where they're going to find them. Commissioner Donahue worries if the shortage continues into the summer, public pools could have shorter hours. Some city beaches could go without lifeguards. They could shorten hours everywhere. She hopes that doesn't happen. Right now, it kind of looks like it's going that way. Get to a number around 800 or 900 would open for one shift of our pools um, and beaches. So um, like 11 to 7. Yeah. It's graduation season. An exceptionally impressive graduate crossing the stage at Montclair State University last night. A dad getting his master's degree, all while working not one, but three jobs. He's a single dad caring for his kid. I always, one job is sort of enough for me, but three jobs and getting his master's degree. It is quite impressive. Desmond Durham is his name. Uh, he says he has the determination to work hard because he wants to succeed in his life. He's 36 years old. He says he's done it for his son. He's doing it for himself. I never considered myself being the smartest person. But the drive, the determination, you know, to keep pushing and keep going. Dedication, hard work, you know, long days, long nights, um, just the will. Yes. Yeah, so his job is he works with adults to help them get their GEDs. That's one job. He works in a basketball program for kids. He's a full-time student. Uh, his professors say they've been awfully impressed with the work that he's given in in the master's program at Montclair University. He says he wants to someday soon, he may have to go back to his Ph.D. for this, to be a principal of a school in Newark. I just wanted to be a reflection for my students, a positive light for them. Yeah, good for him. And uh, local businesses gearing up for three nights of Taylor Swift concerts at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford. Doug Paisley family owns the nearby Red's Restaurant and Bar, and he says he's offering up shuttle buses to the stadium if you want to have a drink or a burger or whatever it may be, uh, and then head over to the stadium. He says, stop there. Uh, lots of businesses in the area hoping it'll be a huge weekend because all these shows are completely sold out. And they expect, by the way, thousands of fans to stand outside the stadium who could not get in because so tickets were so damn expensive to hear the concert. That's what happens in every other city where Taylor Swift goes. Small business mom and pop, that's what we are. And this is tremendous for us. Yeah, I think it'll be a big weekend all around. Uh, if you're heading there, there's lots of warnings. Maybe take New Jersey Transit might be the way to go. WABC Time Check 557, sponsored by Bulleville Watches. It's also time for traffic, transit, and weather on the sevens. Here's Joe Nolan. You know what else, Nolan? too about getting in and out of that place when it's the Jets or the Giants. People know where they're going. They know what they're doing. They know how to get in. They know how to get out. When you have a concert, 
there's a good number of those people who have never been there before. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they're trying to get, they don't know what to do, where they're going, how to go. And it is just an absolute, it's going to be a nightmare getting out of that place. Can you remember uh, a time where you'll have, because this is this has happened almost every other city, there'll be, what, 70,000, 80,000 fans right in the stadium? Yeah. And maybe another 20,000, maybe no. more outside the stadium? I've no. never heard of that. WABC Time Check 559, sponsored by Volvo Watches. Discover finely crafted timepieces available at Macy's. Let's find out now what's happening on the Wednesday edition of Sit and Friends in the Morning from Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam Laden, your hump day uh, installment of the Sid and Friends in the morning radio program, bottom of each hour. You don't want to miss our Tunnel to Towers update. It is Wednesday. Uh, in the way of guests today at Gnome, 640 this morning, Frank Morano, 705 this morning, Curtis Lewis, 740, Peter King, 825. We'll do some nuggets with Gnome Laden, 840 this morning, Alan Dershowitz, 905, the great Nicole Sapphire, and around the things out at 940, Craig Carton. Big Wednesday program for you now. Sounds like it. All right, we're out of here on this Wednesday morning. We'll do it all over again tomorrow morning, 5 a.m. Don't go anywhere now. Yeah, Sid and friends in the morning, they are up next.